0: not about replacing all the technology we're first and foremost about making sure that the technology that is in place collaborates and integrates and, and becomes connected and intelligent right and and obviously we have a pretty you know rich set of features and functions or as i said before tools and services that we are offering on our platform but we do this all in a modular way and always with the, you know, with the, the 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 sort of the the highest intent to just solve one problem at a time with the lowest possible upfront investment, the fastest possible time to value, because we need these little successes to get going, right? Otherwise, otherwise you lose you lose sort of sight of of where you want to go and where you wanna end up, and then these projects become difficult and ultimately don't deliver the value.
1: You're listening to Transform Talks, the podcast about global supply chain transformation. I'm Maria Villablanca, co founder and CEO of Future Insights Network, a fast growing network of over 130,000 supply chain and manufacturing executives worldwide. Now, on this show, I'm going to be interviewing and having conversations with some of the biggest names in supply chain and business, where we're going to be discussing topics around digitization, transformation, leadership, technology business models, diversity, sustainability, and much, much more. Welcome back to Transform Talks. I'm delighted to say that this week, my guest is Stefan Ziba. Stefan is the CEO of Transporion, one of the world's leading transportation management platforms. His time is predominantly spent growing Transporion's global freight network, which includes over 1,300 industrial shippers, 100-plus large retailers, and 145,000 carriers and logistics service providers. Prior to joining Transporion, Stefan spent 13 years working for SAP in a number of senior management roles before going on to shape the development of ERP provider Unit 4. So I was really excited to record this week's episode because when I first met Stefan and his team last year, I was really impressed with their platform and their clientele and the way that they operate, frankly. And since then, we've done a number of projects together, and I wanted my listeners to meet Stefan and hear for themselves. So I'm really pleased that he's here, and I've been able to finally get him to sit down and talk to me. As for the topics discussed during the episode, well, Stefan and I managed to talk about the art of keeping things simple, how to leverage platform innovations to overcome supply chain challenges, and what the future holds for supply chain and Transporion. I hope you enjoy Hi Stefan, welcome to the Transform Talks podcast.
0: Hey Maria, good to be here.
1: It's been a while. I haven't seen you in a couple of months, so it's good to catch up, even if it's uh, sort of over this this format and not in person, right?
0: Absolutely, yeah. No, it's uh, it's been a while. I think it was London last year, September or something like that. So good to see you again.
1: And and you know what, you had you held an event, and I was speaking at it, and I loved that event for a number of reasons. I got to meet a lot of really cool people, yourself included. But also, it was overlooking the Thames. It was perhaps I don't think you could pick a better location than the one you picked by the way.
0: I, I think the day was a bit uh, a, a bit challenging. I think it was the day after the funeral of the queen, so we we lost a few people, we lost a few people because of travel restrictions. but I think we will all remember that day <laughs> most likely
1: Yes, we will, we will, but it was. It was uh, it was still a good vibe there, and I think talking. We're going to get into this when we talk about the, you know here in the podcast now. But before I dive into the main topic of today's discussion, I just want to get your thoughts on something. Okay, so I know that your headquarters are located in the city of Ulm in the south of Germany, and which is the famous birthplace of Albert Einstein. Uh, and he, he said, and and which is great by the way because. When I was at the, at the event, you gave me, you guys gave me a piece of the house of Albert Einstein, which I proudly display and show to everybody, by the way.
0: <laughs> That's great.
1: So it was, it's, so I love that story. But I, I want to understand because I know one of the things that he said was, everything should be made as simple as possible, but not simpler. So when you think about your career, when you think about the work that you're doing at Transporian, how true would you say that is?
0: I think it's very true. Um, I, I I normally say things need to be simple, but not simplistic, right? Um, you know, when simple becomes too simple and with this falls, then you've crossed that line, right? But I think it's a key task of leaders, not only CEOs of any leader, to to sort of boil down complex stuff into simple and understandable concepts. That's the only way to focus and keep the dynamics in an, in an ever more volatile, interdependent, connected connected world.
1: I mean, you use the volatile world, a volatile word, shall I say. And, uh, you know, I keep going to conferences, I'm sure you do too, and I keep having conversations with people that are just, been. they look like they've been shell-shocked from the last couple of years of just being on this crisis, you know, this wheel of crisis management, Um, And uh, I want to talk about the ideas of leveraging innovation, a platform of innovations as well to overcome some of those challenges in supply chain. Do you know, the biggest thing that people tell me is that they're stuck with actually how to operationalize innovation, transformation, and overcoming crisis and complexity, right? So... What I want to hear from you, because I was I was really intrigued by all the conversations that I had with people from your company uh, when you and I last met. So, could you maybe talk to us a little bit about the last few years, what it's meant for you at Transporion and the company, uh, and any kind of valuable lessons that you might have learned?
0: Um, yeah, well, good good question, and and I could talk about this for a long time, but I think so. First of all, we as a company, I mean, we've gone through three and a half, four. Like very exciting and 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 and, and you know uh, insightful for years, right? We, we've we've also been quite successful in those years, which which always makes things easier, right? We've we've doubled in essence the size of the company mainly through organic growth. On top of that, we've done seven acquisitions. I think the major point of these acquisitions, is next to bringing additional capabilities to the platform, is you know acquiring an amazing amount of new talent and bringing in new thoughts and new creativity. And then, you know, over those years, we've sort of slipped into this what I call poly crisis, right? Um, It's a supply chain crisis, it's an energy crisis, it's a, a geopolitical crisis, it's an economical crisis, it's a finance crisis. Um, it's it's and there is still a climate crisis that sort of is ongoing as well and and all of these things somehow you know interfere with each other um, and 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 i I truly believe that nobody is able to manage all of these crises in parallel without adequate support and without adequate um, um, uh, tooling and and digital, is a technology that is ready for prime time it's it's available at marginal cost at any point in time at any place in the world and it can do amazing things right when you look at what the large language models can do you know I think all of us have all of us has have waken up uh, have, 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 yeah waken up in the in the last few weeks and months realizing that we're probably at this point where the linear evolution and, 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 and progress starts to, starts to progressively accelerate. Uh, and, and, and I can only recommend to any company is Embrace Digital. It's, it's the technology that is there, uh, ready for prime time, as I said, at low investment cost, at marginal cost, and it can, it can help us to manage this complexity you know, a lot better than, than, than most of us do today.
1: So, so what you call your polycrisis, I call the cocktail of crisis. <laughs> I wrote a newsletter about that. Uh, what well, I'll give you the story back. That that's
0: that's. I actually prefer. I actually prefer that term. I'm going to use. I'm going to steal that from you, Maria. Yes.
1: You should. Uh, you should. Uh, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to tag you in the newsletter that I wrote so that you can you can read it. Because I was having a conversation with uh, with Vinny from uh, Nestle. And he was saying that he felt that the world was drinking from a very strong, a very heady cocktail, and so I was taken aback by that, and I thought, you know what? And I, I started to digest it and thought, we're in a cocktail of crisis. So this is this is like you say, economic issues, uh, supply issues, demand issues, energy issues, war. Um, I mean, I don't want to go into telling my podcast audience here or giving them a whole history lesson, but we've had relative stability for the last 70 years, except for maybe localized uh, crisis, now we're, f- we're seeing black swan event after black swan event in again, what I like to call the flock of black swans, uh, as opposed to just one. So you're right, digitization is probably gonna be one of the biggest, th- digitization plus talent, which is what you just said, in terms of what you learned, are probably going to be the things that get us out. Now. I also want to talk about, because I see a lot of transformation failure, I see a lot of apathy, people who maybe realized that it wasn't as big as they thought it would be, or as helpful as they thought it would be. You know, we've had so many disruptions right now, and it's so crucial to implement this kind of uh, digital, but I- I'm curious about the common pitfalls that maybe companies fall for when... Attempting to leverage platform innovations to overcome supply chain challenges. And you're in a really lucky position because you work with so many different types of companies, don't you? You work with shippers, you work. So you have this helicopter view, and I'd be interested to hear your perspective on that.
0: Absolutely, yeah, I think so. first of all, this is one in my opinion, one of the absolute key um attributes of a platform is that it's not implemented to the to the benefit of one single party it's implemented to the benefit of a network and in our case, as we say, you know we solve the freight problems where they actually occur in between companies and not inside a single company right now that requires all the parties to to some extent to collaborate. Um, and, um, and, 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 and this is tough, right, because you need to align the interests. So, you know, one pitfall that we see is that customers, people, are trying to make projects too big. Um, and, and, and we are, you know, I have a background in B2B applications, ERP, where, where we always try to supersize the projects. And actually here at Transporium, we actually usually try to cut it down and say first things first. This is the problem we need to solve right now. Let us do this, and once we we sort of we tick that box and we cash in the benefits of an investment, then we'll think about the next step, right? Because if you if you make things interdependent, if you build those, you know, string of pearls, um, you know, one after the other, the sooner like very soon you will realize that nothing moves anymore. So so cut it in small pieces. Do one thing at a time. Understand that a platform has four major functions, right? It's an accumulation of tools and services. It's a set of rules and standards. Those two things make a community or a network sort of appear. And within this network, everybody will enjoy from lower transaction costs in both matchmaking as well as process execution. Now. I think that rules and standards piece is absolutely critical. We need to agree on a certain taxonomy, on a certain way of doing business with each other. Otherwise, we will never be able to explode those network effects. And everybody wants a platform, but hardly anybody is willing to really go that step and say, I want to be part of that. So that's a bit our role as the orchestrator, as the operator of a platform that we play.
1: Well, You said something in September that was very interesting to me about the fact that you belabored the point that this is not a solution. What if solutions got us? You know, this is a platform. Uh, Can you expand on that a little bit? Because it was a really interesting statement.
0: Yeah, I think the easiest way to say is like we're not about replacing all the technology. We're first and foremost about making sure that technology that is in place collaborates and integrates and, and becomes connected and intelligent, right? And, and obviously, we have a pretty, you know, rich set of features and functions, or as I said before, tools and services that we are offering on our platform. But we do this all in a modular way, and always with the, you know, with the, 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 the sort of the the highest intent to just solve one problem at a time, with the lowest possible upfront investment, the fastest possible time to value. Because we need these little successes to get going, right? Otherwise, otherwise you lose you lose sort of sight of, of where you want to go and where you want to end up, uh, and then these projects become difficult and ultimately don't deliver the value.
1: Which is where a lot of companies find themselves in, don't they? They f- they find that they are uh, disappointed with the value that they're that they're getting from uh, technology, right?
0: Yeah, this, this is the typical the typical B two B IT project, right? It takes it takes twice as long as you intended it to take. It, it costs substantially more than you thought it would cost, and, and and ultimately it delivers a fraction of the original value, partially because partially because uh, you know the project under delivers, but in many cases also because you just run out run out of steam, and and then you say like, okay, now now this is done, like like this is it, right? We're not going to do another X Y Z project in the next fifteen years, right? <laughs>
1: and and it's not just from a cost perspective although that's a very big one it's also you exhaust your team don't you you exhaust your people
0: absolutely and i, I think you know what there was a um um uh, you know a transportal next event that we had uh, a few like actually i think it was last week where we we talked about our q1 innovations um new features new functions on the platform and and i've um, used that statement that i said you know a crisis is um Is actually more of an opportunity or a disruption is more of an opportunity than it is a threat. But this is only when you approach it with the right mindset. And if you're completely exhausted and if you you sort of come out of a massive transformation project that didn't deliver on the value you expected and took twice as long as you thought it would be, then you will not be able to look at the next disruption as an opportunity, but you will look at it as a threat and you will basically try Try to push back, right? And 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 I think we have to embrace the disruptions that are coming towards us because, you know, th- that's why we are here. That's why you know leaders exist and why we manage these businesses. And 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 that's you know the way we should we should we should behave to really look at this as an opportunity.
1: Well, I think I think we have no choice, frankly, Stefan. I think I, th- I think we have no choice. And and that and if if the last couple of years has taught us anything, it's that instability, volatility, that, you know that VUCA environment is here to stay at least for a, a while longer. So do you think that companies that embrace that kind of thinking, the thinking that maybe we need to look at a platform, collaborate better, uh, do you think that they're better off from a resiliency perspective, uh, from a competitive advantage perspective?
0: Uh, absolutely. I mean, interoperability ultimately gives you options, gives you alternative, gives you optionality. Right. If, if you just look at the, the the supply chain challenges we were facing in the last 24, 36 months, um, you know containers being in one part of the world and ships being in the other part of the world, and sometimes containers or ships not being able to pass through critical routes, um, uh, you know borders being closed, people not being allowed to cross borders and travel. Uh, you know, then you need this optionality, then you need this interoperability that you can get through a platform, through a digital ecosystem that you're part of. And ultimately, what I always say is like our goal, and I don't know if we will ever get to that point, right? But that that's sort of what we're striving for, is that at some point in time in our network, everybody can do business with everybody else in the network, even though they have probably never met before. And that's the ultimate optionality, that's the the point where we would get the ultimate network effects, uh, and that is contributing big time to uh, supply chain resilience.
1: I want to shift gears a little bit, because I want to talk about, although you're really touching on some interesting things here, one of the things I talk about in my cocktail of crisis is this sort of climate crisis. And there's a lot of regulation on sustainability happening right now, especially for companies operating in... Germany, with other countries, scope three emissions, etc. Um, you know, uh, there's just so much right now from an ESG perspective. I want to know whether or not you think um, companies are doing enough in that area. Uh, do you think that we're seeing enough? Is enough progress being made uh, from your perspective?
0: So, so first of all, I would like to say that, that you know, environmental sustainability and specifically carbon is, is only one of, of many, many aspects of ESG, right? Uh, And I think that, you know, I am very happy to see that more and more companies, including ourselves, by the way, as Transporion, realize and understand that a holistic approach to ESG makes you a better company. It makes you an attractive, a more attractive employer. It helps you to recruit talent. It it helps you to win customers and so on and so forth. So it's, it's a good thing to do. Uh, we've seen it ourselves, right? We've we've invested substantially as a company, and, and I'm I'm absolutely convinced it helped us. Now, overall, when we come back to the, the specific aspect of carbon in, in in supply chain and on transportation, I feel there is not enough happening, right? Don't get me wrong; it's it's, it's a lot is happening, but it feels a bit like you know we're kicking tires, right? And I there's this wonderful Elvis Presley song where he says a little less conversation, a little more action, please. Now he said that in a slightly different context, if I remember right. But, but you know, this is, this is probably what I would like to see. We are, again, technology is ready to measure, calibrate in a very accurate way. And that's the starting point to understand what's going on and to start taking decisions to reduce. Uh, and even if you're not reducing, at least be aware of what your footprint is. And, and I think that at this very moment, everybody should have a full understanding about the footprint, an accurate understanding about the footprint, because as long as we haven't done this, and again, also agreed on certain standards in the network on how we measure this, we will not be able to change anything.
1: I love the, the, the uh, example of Elvis Presley, you know, because you're, you're right. And, and, you know, it's just another way to say that we're done theorizing and we now need to operationalize and execute. Uh, and I, and I think a lot of companies need to do that, especially stop talking about it and actually start demonstrating, uh, results. Um, again, shifting gears, you and, in- well, I wouldn't say you introduced me, but at the conference, I met someone really, really cool, uh, Adrian Gonzalez. And I know that you've done some work with him in the past and, uh, he was speaking at the event. I had him on my podcast. So if anybody here listening hasn't heard that po- episode, please do so. Cause it's very animated. I was on his podcast. Um, And the reason I bring up his name is because when I spoke to him, he said, and I quote, supply chain management is really defined by exceptions. Those words, you know, what he said, those words, they really stuck out to me. So given everything that we've gone through in the last couple of years, how important do you think it is for those in the supply chain and logistics sector to start becoming comfortable with that idea?
0: I I think it's absolutely critical, right? I mean, you could take a philosophic approach and say, like, if... If the exceptions are permanent permanent, then the exceptions are not exceptional anymore right um so I think it's it's just a moment to realize and to accept that this is as I said at the beginning a, a super connected a very um, 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 you know fast moving um, um, uh, intertwined interdependent world in which we're living where you know. One little change at some, in some part of the world at one end of the supply chain can lead to massive disruptions on the other side. And in order to manage this, you need to have, you need to have an infrastructure. right? We, we always talk about this ARC concept, automation, real-time insight and collaboration. We've talked about collaboration slash interoperability before. Obviously, we need real-time insight because things are happening in real-time. And we need to take the all the help we can get from technology to automate as many processes because we're just running out of labor. We're running out of people that can cope with the amount of complexity, the sheer amount of data and things happening. So we need that support. And, and we're sort of always trying to approach our freight problems with you know, sort of this ARC concept in mind, almost like as the spices we throw into every dish we're cooking um, and that then hopefully gives us a chance to solve the freight problems in a better way, in a, in a more valuable way for our customers and, and, and hopefully also in a differentiating way um, um, uh, compared to our competitors.
1: And, uh, you know, it's interesting that you say that because I think that the amount of data that we are surrounded by and the more connected we are, there's going to be so much more data that comes in We need to be able to free people within the supply chain and logistics to make better decisions and to do more creative things to deal with the complexity that is being thrown at us, right? So I want to ask you about the future, you know, because at the time of this recording, there's been news recently about, and maybe you can tell us a little bit more about the news, but I want to know what the future holds for Transporion. Um, You guys are growing, you guys are doing a lot of amazing things. It'd be interesting to hear... Where you see the future of this industry and your role in it
0: yeah, so um well let me start with the transporion view right um, I would like to see transporion to really become you know a part of the digital backbone of the transportation industry right we are we are not covering all areas of transportation we are strong you know in 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 in, in truckload. LTL, FCL, LCL. So the, the the more you know, high volume, high velocity uh, type of transports and very customer specific network solutions. Uh, this is not this is not the place or less the place for a digital platform. At least today, right? In ten years, that might look different. But this is where we are today. And for those for those um, transport modes, you know, I want Transporion to be. The digital backbone of this industry. I want the platform to evolve into you know an innovation platform at a higher pace. I'm I'm always using this Tesla experience right I had the pleasure to drive one for a few years and and I always enjoyed that moment when I entered the car in the morning and there was a set of new features that the car has learned overnight Um, and, and that's how this platform experience should be that our customers log on to the platform and they they get proactive recommendations on things they can do better, the platform can do for them, uh, and and how they can derive more value out of it, right? And then then the the second point is probably on the news you you were referring to, right? We've we've been acquired by Trimble, um, so um, uh, we we closed that acquisition, or the acquisition closed on the 3rd of April, so not too long ago. Obviously, we've done some work in preparing um, post-merger integration, but we were very strict in that phase between signing and closing that we can't, we can't jump gun, right? Um, um, and, um, and And now that work starts, and I'm excited about this because there is an obvious geographical match, right, with Trimble's North American origin and our European origin, but that's only the surface, right? If you go underneath and you look at, Trimble's origin in the physical world, moving more and more like around GPS technologies where the company comes from, more and more moving into the digital world. And our origin in the pure digital world, but realizing that you need to get a footprint into the physical world because transport is about moving a box from A to B. It's about utilizing an asset, um, a, a rail car, a truck, a ship, whatever it is. And then last but not least, also Trimble's origin around service providers, carriers and and how they operate their assets and their fleets and our origin around shippers and how they manage their loads, if you bring those those things together, you see a very balanced platform with a global footprint that understands load to asset and asset to load allocation, and that is what is needed to solve freight problems um, at scale uh, so i'm i 'm absolutely convinced that this combination will bring us a lot faster to this point where we can where we can say we're the digital backbone of this industry. Um, and that's a good thing, right? Companies like this need to exist in the world.
1: Well, alliances like this are important because they are complementary and that's part of the whole collaborating with, with people to deliver results. So we've come to the end of our interview, and I want to ask you a question that I ask everyone uh, before I let them go, which is about a book. To see if there's any book that you've read, whether personal or business, that has influenced your life and why.
0: Yeah, I actually I was expecting that question because I listened to some of your podcasts. So I, I, you know, I have to be honest, I prepared a little bit. There's actually three that I want to give you, but there's one common thread about them. It's about curiosity. It's about learning new things and understanding things in a better way. The first one is uh, uh, Sven Hedin, which was a Swedish uh, uh, explorer in the 1880s, 1890s, and he traveled the Silk Road. Um, and, And the book is called My Life as Explorer. I read it when I was a... A boy, uh, you know, a young, a young, a very young man, an old boy, and and that was the first time I've realized that I'm I'm so curious. Like specifically, the Silk Road is something that I need to to do this. My father did it on the bike. Um, I never had the chance yet to to do it. And then the next one was Free Economics by Stephen Levitt, um, which I remember that I read it when I was doing my MBA. Um, and 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 it has that subtitle. I think the hidden side of everything, right? That that understanding that you need to go behind the surface, behind you know what you see on the surface, to really understand the things. And then most recently, uh, there was one actually also a few years ago, Factfulness by Hans Rosling. Unfortunately, Hans Rosling passed away, but he was an amazing. Amazing person and this book factfulness and also the foundation he established and I think it's led by his daughter now Is really teaching us and learning us how the human brain works and and how we can train our thinking to be slightly less dramatized Uh, and and actually on a side note it also Learns us that the world is actually a better place than we think it is and I think it's especially in these times where some of that optimism probably Probably this this good to all of us.
1: Stefan, I want to thank you for being here on Transform Talks, and I hope I'll see you soon, uh, wherever it may be. But thanks a lot for sharing your story.
0: Well, thank you for having me, Maria, and likewise, very much looking forward to seeing you again.
1: So that's it for this week. Thanks for listening. I do hope you gained some valuable insight from this week's episode. To stay up to date with the latest developments, be sure to follow us on LinkedIn at Transform Talks. Also, if you don't already follow me on LinkedIn, please do so now. I'm always keen to connect with supply chain and business leaders from around the world. You can find me by searching for Maria P. Villablanca. And if you're lucky, I may let you know what the P in my name stands for. In the meantime, wishing you a great week ahead. And as always, for those of you listening, I'll catch you at the next one.